Good day, mate. Forty here. So, I was just watching a video on David Silverman. So he's one of those atheists who became famous after 9/11, and he would go on Fox News a lot. He'd go on the Riley Report, and uh, he became quite the talking head after 9/11 because. Understandably, much of the reaction to 9-11 was that this was primarily a religious event. Now, all sorts of conflicts, which are primarily tribal and, and racial at core, get discussed as if they're primarily religious. Okay, Osama bin Laden didn't you know, primarily attack the United States of America on 9-11 because of differences in, in theology. Right? The, the Arab-Israeli conflict, the... the the, the Jewish-Muslim conflict is not primarily about the will of God and religion. These are just some of all these different conflicts that get, that get uh, explained as religion, but at core they're not about religion. But for many atheists, this was an opportunity to hit it big, man. Like, now you can, now you can, now you can get that media attention you, you, you've, uh, you know, you've long sought. And so, yeah, what what motivates men, particularly to to enter public life? It's the desire for sex and power, right? For for men with, with power comes sex. So those are the basic primal emotions, and we all tend to try to get you know everything that we want, and we tend to naturally seek out opportunities. So after nine eleven, there are all these opportunities for atheists to enter the public square and to make their proclamations to an increasingly receptive audience that, uh, you know, what the hell is going on in our world that led to 9-11 and then the reactions to 9-11, maybe the primary problem is religion. Well, the whole conflict is, is partially disguised as religion, but at core, it's a tribal conflict. The, the Osama bin Laden perspective is that the United States and its you know, imperialism does not belong in the sacred soil of my tribe of, of Saudi Arabia and, and the Middle East generally, and he wanted to unite his people, the, the Arab people. And religion was a way to unite his people and to, to give them reason to, to fight. So I was just watching this, this video on the rise and fall of uh, David Silverman, so one, one of the, the new atheists. And he became a leader of some group like Atheists United, and he got, you know, he got famous. He got a little bit of power. I mean, I don't know how much power goes with leading an atheist group. And he got a lot of sex, apparently. And then he was brought down by allegations of sexual misconduct. And so he's not the first, you know, powerful man. He's not the first famous man to be brought down by allegations of sexual misconduct. And I'm also thinking about the behavior of Donald Trump, particularly after it was clear that he lost the November 2020 election. Did he behave with any care and consideration for the country? With any care or consideration for the Republican Party? With any care or consideration for his voters? For the well-being of the Republican Republicans running for the United States Senate? There were two Senate races in Georgia. No, he didn't. He, he was just mad. <laughs> Reminds me of, of Hitler. Like Hitler in the final years of the war. Did he show much care and concern for the well-being of Germans. No, they'd let him down. And so 
just thinking, you know, what motivates men to enter the public square to, to do what I'm, I'm doing right now? So generally speaking, there are these two basic motivations for men, sex and power, right? With, with influence comes, comes power, with, with uh, gaining a following comes power, with, with position comes power, with money comes power, and then from power, you get, you get more access to sex. And with, with Silverman also, uh, much of what he was doing sexually was, you know, this, this uh, you know, domination stuff, forcing women to do, you know, anal sex and uh, forcing women to engage in sex that they didn't want. This, is, this comes from eroticized rage, of which I have been bedeviled much of my life. And this, these basic primal urges, I have felt them. <laughs> you know my my entire life, and what can be done? You know what are the dangers here? Because you need that fuel, right? To do what I'm doing right now, it takes a tremendous amount of energy and chutzpah, and even perhaps verging on reckless disregard for one's own well-being. To you know put yourself out there to share opinions uh, at any minute, I could say something that could you know forever ruin my life. And so, you know, what kind of desperation leads one to speak out on Fox News shows or on your own live streams? And, and the two basic core emotions that, that drive men after they meet their, their basic needs for food and shelter is sex and power. Right? But what can be done about that? Because obviously those, those two drives in and of themselves are nihilistic. Is there, is there any way to corral that? And so I think it comes down to what what gets you going like what makes you feel alive what makes you feel important so for men the basic instincts are you know, getting sex and getting power makes me feel important right so let's say you want to be a rock star you want to be a professional athlete you want to be a tv newsreader you want to be a wildly successful live streamer but what is it about those things that uh, so excites you like, where's the payoff? Right? What do you get? So the, the thought is, if I'm on TV, or if I build up an enormous following online, I will have influence, and I will get more sex, and I will have some power. Right? Those, those are the basic instincts. But then, let's say you get influence and power and sex. What then? What, what's the payoff? Well, the payoff is that you feel alive. Right? We want to feel alive. We want to be wide awake. We want to be energized we want to be excited we want to have things to look forward to we want to have have pleasure we want to avoid pain right and i think you go even deeper than that is that we we want to feel something right the quest for for power and for sex is to feel something and so what we want to feel is a feeling of importance I think that's one way of framing, framing it. We want to feel alive, but when you feel important, you then feel alive. So how do you get to feel important? And you get to feel important through becoming famous, through becoming powerful, through having sex, all right, Th through you know having adoring fans. These are all ways of feeling important. But you can also feel important through raising a family, uh, contributing to your church or synagogue, uh, being a sponsor with, with sponsees, being a, being a volunteer in some position. So I think 
men get into trouble when they simply go for those basic primal lusts of sex and power without going deeper and, and asking, what is it that these, that these things give for me? Like, what do they do for me? So it, it sure seems like, you know, David Silverman was inevitably headed for trouble because he did not seem to have anything higher that he was aspiring for than sex and power, which is accompanied by fame. So if you get to feel important because you are a valuable cog of your community, of your church, of your synagogue, of your stamp club, of your book club, of your dog park, of your, um, I don't know, you're volunteering at an old age home, you, you're a big brother, you're, you're a big sister, you, um, I don't know, you bring merchants together to you know, build things for, for, the, for the good of the community, right? If you can feel important doing pro-social things, then I think you're going to be much less likely to run into this kind of David Silverman or, or Donald Trump trouble. Right? Think of all the men who are undo by the, done by the Me Too movement. Do you think that if they were living for something beyond satisfying their own primal needs for, for power and for pleasure, that they would have gotten into this trouble? Whenever you watch a movie or a TV show or read a novel, you'll notice the characters inevitably get into trouble because they are pursuing things that are not higher than satisfying their own needs. But if they were pursuing a feeling of importance from being of service, being useful, contributing to other people, then you don't tend to get into trouble. Right? You don't tend to flame out. You tend to conserve your energy, you tend to have more energy, you tend to be more calm. So you see with most online live streaming personalities, there's, there's this often a rapid ascent for the first year or two. And then, you know, just as equally a fairly rapid collapse and uh, they, they basically flame out because there's nothing really that they're working for beyond their own aggrandizement and opportunities for sex and, and for power. Right. So, yeah, most men, most famous influential men don't get me too because they connected with other people. So that's the other point. I don't think that uh, David Silverman was strongly connected with other people. Because if you're strongly connected with other people, you would think about you know, the tremendous shame that would come to them and to yourself if you get caught in, engaged in sexual misconduct or any other type of uh, misconduct. So... You know, show me who your friends are and I'll show you who you are. Most of my real-life friends, people I see face-to-face, -face, are in Orthodox Judaism because that's where I spend most of my spare time. Now, in my online friends, I've got a lot of you know, fairly joyful nihilists, but I don't really see these people face-to-face. -face. So I see people face-to-face, -face, and so the people who are most important to me are within Orthodox Judaism. So those relationships shade, affect create the boundaries, the contours for everything that, that I do online. So there's no one from my synagogue in, in my room right now, right? There's no one from the Orthodox Jewish community in my home right now. But those are the interactions that are most powerful for me because those are the most intense face-to-face -face interactions that I have on, on a regular basis. And so therefore, those interconnecting bonds, right, they've kind of, they kind of got me here, right? I live underneath and between these interconnected bonds within Orthodox Judaism and those ties that I forged with people over decades 
I'm uh, I'm less likely to just blow them through you know some some gratuitous desire to satisfy these basic needs for for sex and power. So if you can, I think those men who don't flame out, they're connected to others. Most people have normal levels of connection. So what's a normal level of connection? Normal level of connection is when people treat you badly, you leave, you distance yourself, right? If you hang around for someone who treats you badly, like I've done much of my life, right? I've often had abusive bosses and that was comfortable to me because it reminded me of the abuse that I had as a child. And just being in an abusive situation where people were yelling at me and throwing things at me and physically and emotionally, spiritually, psychologically threatening me just felt normal to me. It just felt, ah, you know, I'm at home. This is what I deserve. This is, this is where I belong. But most people, thank God, are not like that. Most people, they get abused once and they get out of there. They never return to that relationship, that friendship, that, that boss. Like a normal person, right, would have left you know, any of the abusive bosses that I work for the first time the abuse happened. Because for a normal person, you get abused and you're out of there. But if you stick around for the abuse, then there's something warped in your psychology. So there's something warped, obviously, in a, in a David Silverman, in a, in a Harvey Weinstein. Many of these men, they've, you know, internalized abuse. They, they pass on the, the abuse and I just don't get the sense that they're strongly connected to other people. So that, you know, ideally we live our life, you know, under the covering of the tribe, within the tribe, right? That's the natural human condition. We form these, we're born into ties and bonds, tribal ties and bonds, and then we live here. But for many people, because they don't have that, they don't have those ties and bonds, and I've experienced this too, when I've not been connected to other people, I felt this desperate, desperate need for fame and attention. So the more connected I feel with other people, the more I calm down. So you see the more bizarre things that I do on here, the more bizarre things that I say on here, the more bizarre the songs that I sing here, right? the more bizarre the shows that I create here, that means in my real life, I'm feeling disconnected from other people. Right? So the the ideal life, particularly for the for the addict, is say, two or three notches above boredom, right? That's kind of a, a sustainable uh, way to live. So I get, you know, that feeling of empty, right? I, I've gone through most of my life at times just that overwhelming feeling of emptiness. And then when I would get genuine human connection, when I would be, you know, semi-adopted into some family or, or form a close friendship or, or, or get a girlfriend, that pain inside me, that emptiness inside me, would dissipate. But I was then borrowing the functioning of other people. And when that connection would, would die, I would be left feeling even more bereft because I had tasted what genuine human connection was, was like. I, I'd gotten filled up. And so after getting filled up, the loss of, of what was sustaining me just would just knock me around like I was in, in a, uh, a dryer. <laughs> All right, dryer for your for your washing. I just you know, it's like shake everything about, and it just kind of returned to that disconsolate, you know, empty, desperate, yearning, bereft feeling that that I had as a child, and then carried through much of my life. When you look at you know the exhausting amount of time I put into my online ventures over my career, starting with regular blogging in 1997, and and often the, the desperate quality of the things that I would say and do online, there was this desperate need for for human connection which comes out of a lack of normal connection. When, when you have love, 
you don't you know desperately need to reach for for fame and attention you don't have to engage in histrionic behavior because you need love you can be at ease with yourself right you can you can have you know parents family members friends community you know acquaintances you know, fellow travelers people in your volunteer program or, or religion or, or interest club or hobby and you can interact with them and you can tell them about you know some painful thing that's going on and you just kind of calm down but with, with like the, the david silverman harvey weinstein donald trump types there's like a desperate quality to their desire for attention which is inevitable when you don't connect normally and have normal levels of love right normal people get love but people who don't have love in their life which i've experienced most of my life you then have this desperate quest for attention to, to try to fill that emptiness and out of that comes a lot of antisocial behavior. Like I've engaged in more than my share of antisocial behavior, like reckless, needlessly provocative, you know, shocking, bad taste things that I've you know said said and done done online in a desperate quest for attention. So, not all men, once they get power and, and fame and money, abuse it. So, the ones I don't, are those who are in those interlocking relationships, that they would not want to be humiliated before their wife, before their family, before their friends. So if you can have a carry with you a sense of your the human connections that, that should be, you know, interlacing with your own individual life, right? And so you carry that into you, whether you're all alone in your room and you're just reading a book or you're walking down the street or you're talking on a live stream. Like if, if I can bring to mind, you know, certain pictures, a picture of my rabbi, a picture of uh, rabbis who've mentored me. Uh, pictures of people I, I've studied Torah with, pictures of, you know, bring to mind pictures that I, of people that I've volunteered with. Like I've done hundreds and hundreds of hours of volunteer work when I can carry with me a sense of those connections and when I can build a sense of importance out of being a 12-step sponsor, out of speaking, uh, you know, at a, at a synagogue or a 12-step meeting, out of, you know, volunteering in some capacity, out of just being, you know, part of a cog that... Uh, that helps, that helps people. If I can get get a sense of importance from them, then the the desperate primal needs for, for sex and power they don't overwhelm because those basic primal needs they're just trying to feed our desire to feel important. But if you have normal levels of human connection, then you get your feeling of importance from those relationships and from succeeding within your tribe, within your group. Like you can succeed outside your group. But in large part, you do it so that you can bring the bounty or you can bring the joy, you can bring the laughter, you can, you can bring the wonderful things that you've received from achieving outside the tribe back into the tribe and celebrate it with the people who are most important to you. Okay, let's have a look at the chat. I'm a sovereign citizen. I know my rights. Male influencers who discourage family tend to turn out to be homosexual. Curious. Most men don't get Me Tooed, and there are red flags with some of the women doing the Me Tooing. Right. What type of woman is attracted to people like this? I was talking to a beautiful young woman today who told me that she found David Silverman attractive. And I can't get into her body. Thank God. Uh, but I imagine it's his fame, his confidence. Like, women seem to love confidence. Uh, so it's his fame, his confidence his articulateness, his intelligence, and his charisma, I'm sure, would, would lead many women to feel attracted to him. But there's going to be something broken in these women who would get into 
you know, intimate affairs with a David Silverman type, right? When I had my, my promiscuous times, right? I wasn't having my promiscuous times with otherwise, you know, well-balanced women. Like I was having my promiscuous times with women who are equally broken and equally as, as empty as me. So the David Silverman's, Harvey Weinstein's, you know, the creepy, creepy men who are out there trying to exploit women, well, they can only usually exploit those women who are similarly empty, similarly broken, similarly trying to take a, a shortcut to intimacy. Sometimes in stories, people get into trouble helping loved ones. Yes, right. Just because you desire to help is no guarantee that, uh, that things are going to work out. Dow down 1300 today. Yes, most important investment you can make is not in the Dow Jones or in gold or in real estate. It's in your family and friends and community. 30% of men are incels and rising soon it will be a majority. There's an old African saying, if the young are not initiated into the tribe, they will burn down the village to feel the warmth. Right. I set fires on two occasions when I was a kid, when I was about seven, eight years of age. I'm not proud of this. They could have been awful conflagrations. Thank God nothing happened because other people stepped up. But uh, I, I kind of understand the arsonist. That this, it gives you a feeling of importance. I understand the arsonists. They want to feel importance. They want to feel alive, right? And people will, will do crazy, desperate, destructive things to feel important and to feel alive. I think that drives much of the crime rate. The masculine symbol of the screwdriver in the extreme foreground <laughs> is a nice subliminal touch. Yes, yes, I like to keep my screwdrivers here. The orthodox are based. Yes, by and large, they are. You don't make me feel healthy. You're making me feel healthy. I've left jobs when I was abused. I didn't stick around, and I was abused as a child, too. I guess I may be partly healthy. If, if you leave when you're abused, then you're basically healthy. You stick around for more and more abuse, then you're basically unhealthy. And the problem isn't primarily for you. The problem is not you, Holly, but you, the person who sticks around being abused, the problem is not primarily the abusers. The primary problem is yourself, that you stick around for abuse. Holly says, I have some close connections at church, but Monday through Friday, I'm pretty much still hiding in my room like as I did, and I'm kicked. Yes, but even when you're hiding in your room Monday to Friday, you're carrying with you the sense of those connections that you've built at church. So when you read something that you want to share with someone or have an experience when you say you're on your own in your room alone, you do it in the context of the, those people at church with whom you want to share this. Weinstein and Silverman suffer from what Buddhists call the hungry ghost. The African tribe, quote, points out there's a category of male that is antisocial and entitled. Men have uh, misanthropic uh, repulsive tendencies would destroy their own families if they had them. Yeah, so we have these basic primal drives. Now, they can be guided towards that which is good, Right. I know, I know men in their third decade of marriage who still have an active sex life with their spouse. Uh, like, I, I know men, come on, come on, I don't know. You know, I, I, I know men three decades into their marriage, they're still holding hands with their spouse. They're still cuddling with, with their spouse. So, so there's a primal, primal desire that is channeled into a really healthy outlet. Only in modernity does the most lazy, unlikable man think they deserve to possess another human, usually one out of their league. 
Luke hopes to take a recovery call, asks us for help for Dennis Prager. Recall a shortage, folks. No shiny wrappers, maybe not kosher enough. I have so many recaller beside me, bro. I am stacked. Like, come on, man. It's raining recallers in my world, right? I am blessed with so much abundance. Like the, the, the sugar-free lemon flavor, oh, so delicious. Women love a plowhouse, Luke. Get working in the fields. Harvey Weinstein made the big bucks. He was a kingmaker, set for life. They don't want to just own the beast. They want to ride the beast. Luke must have busted his ass to put up that sound installation. Isn't that fairly new? Yes, thank you for asking. Costs about 500 bucks. I call this uh, sound ins installation. So I did it on the, on the roof as well. So I think to, to finish off the, the rest of the room will probably cost about another $600 or so. But uh, those things I do for, for high quality live streaming. Yes, incel discourse discourages men from self-improvement. It's bad for them. Yeah, generally speaking, men going their own way is not good. Like generally speaking, going your own way in life is a really bad strategy. There are the occasional exceptions who thrive on going, going their own way. Generally speaking, it's really bad. And if you get in your money, fame, or power, you're going to be much more vulnerable to your primal drives without any amelioration of your human connections. So, you know, the, the Harvey Weinstein, I don't suspect he had a lot of close friends, or David Silverman, don't suspect he had a lot of close friends, so that you have them in mind. Like when I wanted to look at pornography, an image of my rabbi would come to my mind. Like if I wanted to do something, you know, particularly shameful or disgusting, it may very well be that friends of mine from the Orthodox Jewish community would just come to my mind and I won't want to disappoint them. I won't want to gross them out. So that's the importance of loving people and taking time to think about people who've been good to you and having that, that sense of gratitude, right? Think about someone who's been kind to you, good to you, who's been loving towards you and, and go try to go through the, the day with that sense. Also, think about how your selfishness has hurt the lives of other people. I'm quoting here Fred Luskin from that great book, Forgive for Good, right? Just a little bit of thinking about how my selfishness has hurt other people and my attention seeking has you know, made a, a party or a gathering or an interaction just highly unpleasant for other people. So that kind of question I find incredibly sobering and kind of brings me into reality because I am not naturally a man of great common sense, right? I'm not naturally a man who just easily hangs out in, in a state of reality, right? I, I tend to be a mensch, you know, someone who's, who's in the thinking in the air, you know, airy fairy ideas, you know, ideologies, all that. The shapes of the individual pieces of sound insulation form an interesting mosaic. Yeah, well, I'm not so happy with the second second lot, the latest last of sound foam insulation. It's really crap. So the first lot was, was much better. The second lot was really inferior. Harvey had Oprah. She was the only woman he could resist socializing. So I've been reading Thomas Hobbes' Leviathan, just some great stuff in it. came out in 1651. Okay, so to agree with an opinion is to honor it. It is a sign of approving of someone's judgment and his wisdom. So if you agree with me, you're agreeing with my wisdom. To dissent from someone is a dishonor. Okay, 
to to employ someone is a sign that you have a high opinion of his wisdom. Men must have a strong opinion of their own wisdom, right? Because people will will admit that they're terrible at all sorts of things, but almost nobody will will admit that they are unwise. What is my Myers-Briggs type? I believe it is INTJ. Confidence in others from ignorance of their wisdom disposeth men to confide in them that have it, because the former is seeming wisdom, the latter is seeming kindness. Okay, so yeah, he talks about all men think that they have wisdom. That is the nature of man, right? They may acknowledge that many others are more witty, more eloquent, or more learned, but men will hardly ever believe that there's anyone who is wiser than them. Men love to show their wisdom. So the false presumption of one's own wisdom is, yeah, a very, very common human, human defect. So much wisdom in Leviathan by Thomas Hobbes. Okay, this is my favorite. I like sugar-free lemon Ricola. All the others I don't care for. That's it. Bye-bye. <laughs>